0: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home.
1: Good morning once more. Would you all stand with me, please, as we recite the Apostles' Creed? This is our statement of faith. It's what we believe in as a church here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, at this point in our service, we'd like to just pause for a moment also to, um, to receive, if you will, our offering. We haven't been passing buckets. We've just found that so many have gravitated toward digital giving, and we're so grateful for that. Um, but we do want to make sure that you have an opportunity to give, and we're so grateful for your giving. It's such a um, such a reflection of your own faith journey and your worship of the Lord. So if you're here this morning and you would like to give into the offering in either cash or check, know that you can do that. In your seat backs, you'll find some envelopes. You can just slip it in there. And as you leave today, you can drop those in the buckets with the ushers. Otherwise, we do, of course, have digital options that so many of you have gravitated toward. Um, you can go to our church website and do that. You can set up recurring giving so you don't even have to think about it. Um, and we're so grateful for those of you who have done that. It certainly helps us with budgeting and things of that nature. But we also have a Celebration Church app. There's just lots of options in this day and age, right? So we do have the Celebration Church app. If you would like to download that on your phones as well, it's very easy to find the Give button there, and you can just give into the offering that way as well. Um, However you do it, know that what really is the blessing is that you do it with a heart to to worship and give towards the Lord. And we're just so grateful for your, your faithfulness in that. Um, The fact that I'm standing before you this morning is clearly evidence that Pastor Mark is not with us today. Um, Kind of an interesting situation. Um, He and Deanna had an event this week for Laugh Your Way, which is his marriage ministry. Um, if If you're new around here and you're not familiar with it, Pastor Mark has just been such a blessing throughout our country and the world. So many couples that have been touched by what he does and what he speaks about marriages. So he had this event in Indiana and thought they'd be able to get back because it's Indiana, um, and it was probably done at around noon yesterday. Um, But if you've been doing air travel at all recently, you know that all the schedules have just gotten interesting, right? Um, So they just simply couldn't get back for today. Um, So when he kind of discovered or realized in his schedule that that had happened, of course he had to come up with a plan for um, somebody to cover the pulpit this morning. Um, And we are just so grateful that Pastor Mark can go and do the things that he can, and we're equally grateful for the opportunities when we can also bring in front of you some of our other um, staff members and give them an opportunity to just get connected with you and for you to get connected with them. So he had reached out to our youth pastor, Ben Klein, and said, hey, do you think you could do the message on Sunday, and Ben quickly, acknowledged, yeah, he would be grateful for the opportunity. And I'm sure some of you have heard Ben preach before. He's done a couple of First Wednesday services for us. Um, and just a reminder, First Wednesday is this Wednesday. Pastor Mark will be here for that. Um, but he's done a few First Wednesday services, but he's also on a weekly basis down in our youth area um, and, and often is preaching down there. So he's certainly no stranger to communicating. And he is not only an incredibly gifted communicator, but such a godly man. So we're just truly delighted that we're able to have him come and share with you this morning so that all the more of you can get a little bit connected to him, get a feel for um, who he is. Um, Let me just tell you right now, every time he has the opportunity to come up, I'm like, it's such a great encouragement for getting your students to our youth, um, our youth services on Wednesday nights because you'll just get a feel very quickly for the quality of his character, his heart for the Lord, and his ability to communicate the word and just such um, such a practical way. So um, he also happens to be my Um, son-in-law. So I'm a little biased, Um, but the truth of the matter is I loved all those things about Ben Klein before he ever showed an interest in my daughter. It was just like the added bonus. And we're like, oh, this will be good. (laughs) So we were delighted to welcome in the family. Um, But anyway, would you please welcome to the stage this morning, Pastor Ben Klein.
0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, you know, I do. I I love to tell stories in my my messages. I love to share a few jokes. I have to remind the youth students from time to time that I actually, indeed, am funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know it's tough, but someone's got to do it. Uh, and it, it's it's hard for me though because I just feel like mother law mother in law jokes are just off the table. Like how do, how do I make fun of Becky Schomer? You know, like it's. You can't, unless she's talking about sports, and then that's about the one, you know. If you've ever heard Becky explain sports, it's good. Uh, So thankfully, I have a father-in-law, and I can, you know, use all those jokes still. So uh, if you don't know, my father-in-law is Pastor Keith. Uh, and he is in TNT this morning. Actually, they're doing something super cool in TNT today. They have uh, what they call their FX service, uh, and it's like a family service. So they've invited all of the the parents of TNT age students to come and be a part of service with them to see some of the craziness that just happens on a Sunday morning and what their students get to encounter and experience. Um, and so that's something new that they're doing. Actually, today is the first Sunday that they've done that. So our, our Pastor Keith and our our kids TNT Dream Team is all jacked up. They were they were they were riding high this morning. They were super excited, uh, and I'm sure they are they are crushing it and doing a great job. And so um, those are going to start to happen uh, a couple times a year. So if you missed one today or you couldn't be a part of it, we encourage you next next time they come around just to hop in and see what uh, what your first through fourth graders are experiencing on a Sunday morning. And let me tell you, they are experiencing a good amount of fun.
1: There is, there
0: is shouting. There is things flying. Like it's, it's a good time. So, uh, although you might want to always go there, you know that that is the one. You know, which if that's the case, let me tell you, kids, TNT is a great place to serve. You can join the dream team. There's a way, church. You can do it. Uh, well, like Becky was saying, I am the youth pastor here at our Green Bay campus, uh, and I, I love it. I. I love hanging out with your students and being to able to speak in their lives and build relationships and find out all of the, the amazing things that uh, they've got going on. Because I don't, I don't know if you guys know this. Clearly, some of you are parents, and so you know your students are great. But man, we have some of the best students here at Celebration Church. We, we truly do. Um, we, we've got students that are so incredibly talented in so many different ways. They they love God deeply. Um, that's got nothing to do with me. Um, but they they just, they serve, they get it. Um, So we have young people all throughout the building this morning that are a part of the dream team and serving. Um, And I just love being a part of a church that invests, is willing and able to invest into the next generation. And so we think the next generation is a big deal here at Celebration Church. So uh, this is your invite. If you're a fifth through 12th grade uh, student, or if you are a parent of a fifth through 12th grade student, now's a good time to give them the nudge. Uh, We'd love for them to come join us on Wednesday nights. We meet every Wednesday during the school year from 6.45 to 8 o'clock. So we'd love for them to come be a part of what we do. And I'm going to put that plug in here now when you just think it's a good idea before you reserve judgment on how I communicate or what I have to say this morning. So that way you can get your nudge in before you're like, that dude's crazy. Uh, So we'll just do that. Well, hey, I was trying to figure out how do I bring youth a little bit to the Sunday morning service and and message. And I've got a great message and it's, you know, it's certainly geared for, for, well, everyone and especially uh, those of us here today. Uh, But I was like, I have to do something aside from bringing myself. And um, so I I thought of this. What what we'll do from time to time when uh, the youth room gets a little rowdy believe it or not, that happens. Um, And our students begin to drift or lose interest. And We'll do this thing to kind of re-engage them and bring them back in. So I'm not saying you guys have drifted, hopefully not yet, uh, but I just thought it would be fun to do this morning. And so what we do is I'll say, give me two claps and a Ric Flair. And you guys are like, what? Uh, Well, if you don't know, Ric Flair was a famous wrestler in the 80s and he had this kind of thing he did. He would always just give a big woo, right? So he'd go, woo! Right, that was Ric Flair. So when I say give me two claps and a Ric Flair, they go, woo! So I, th- I feel like we have to try that out this morning. So uh, church, if you do that with me, if you're joining me online, I encourage you to do it from your living room. And then when uh, you know your husband comes and looks from the kitchen, you're like, the guy on TV told me to do it, I don't know. So uh, would you guys give me two claps and a Ric Flair? Yeah, I, I think our online campus did better. Let's try that again. Uh, would you give me two claps and a Ric Flair this morning? There we go. Ric Flair would be proud. Uh, nicely, nicely done. Well, hey, I, I've got a message this morning. Uh, and what we're gonna do is we're going to look at a group of people that are in a situation in life where things have just not gone their way. Uh, and I think we all can relate because I don't think any of us when we came into this world signed up for a global pandemic. And we're like, yeah, that's what I wanna do for three years. Uh, anyone remember when it was like, hey, we're two weeks, Yeah. Uh, three years later, yeah, right? We just didn't think that that was going to be our thing. And actually, I mean, who, who are we kidding? Actually, some of that is just the definition of being an adult, right? Is things just don't go the way we thought that they were going to go. And uh, so we're going to look at Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a prophet to the nation of Israel in one of their most turbulent times as a nation, Uh, And and Jeremiah is this fantastic book in the Old Testament. It was either written by Jeremiah himself or his his right-hand man that was with him always. And so we really just truly get to see this amazing in-depth picture into the life of Jeremiah and, and truly a picture of his relationship with God that we really don't... Get to see in a lot of the other Old Testament prophets, we get to see what he's wrestling with and what he's going went through, and and it's just it really is this fantastic book. Uh, and Jeremiah is this incredible man of faith, although his life was not incredibly easy. In, in fact, uh, he he had a bad go. He did not have things go really well for him. And where we're at here is Jeremiah is in the midst of communicating to the nation of, of Israel in an incredibly turbulent time. Uh, the Babylonian empire had just moved in. They had basically conquered the known world uh, and they had taken over. They had burned down the temple um, that, that Solomon built. It had been kind of raided to the ground and then they kind of just folded the nation of Israel into Babylon. They just, that's kind of what they did in that time. They're just like, you're now a part of our nation. Get with it. Uh, what, like it or not. And so here's Jeremiah communicating to these people in the, the midst of this and uh, they've been exiled. They lost everything and, and here they are in the midst. Um, and Jeremiah actually spanned five kings during that time, not because he lived an incredibly long time within the nation of Israel, but Israel had so much, so much turmoil going on. In fact, two of the, the, um, the kings of Israel at the time that he served under only working for three months. Uh, so that was, that was pretty quick. They just kind of got on the throne and then it was like, Bleh. on to the next. Um, so it was, it was, it was turmoil, And we see that Jeremiah is writing to the people of Israel in this moment, and he's talking to them. When they are in the midst of a situation where they really are asking God, what's next? What do we do in the midst of this season? What do we do in the midst of this exile that we find ourselves in? Where do we go from here? And I think some of us, maybe today, maybe in other seasons, ask that same question. We ask God, where where do I go from here? What do I do in the midst of this exile, this season? Now, none of us have been exiled from our homes in Wisconsin. Minnesota has not come and taken over, thank God. Uh, you know, like they have not burned down Lambeau Field, right? Like uh, we still have our temple. Um, wait, can I say that? You, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, we still are, are good, right? We don't have to cheer for the Vikings, praise Jesus. Like, you know, so we're not, we haven't been displaced. We aren't in this midst, but we, We understand the the concept of of feeling like, God, what's next? God, I'm in the midst of this situation that I never thought I'd find myself in. God, uh, I have the worst job ever, and I have to go there day in and day out. And how does that happen? What does that look like? We never thought we would experience that kind of moment. We never thought that our relationship would look like this. We never thought our family would look like this. We never thought that life would look like this. God, what's next? God, where do I go from here? What's my next step? How do I move forward? You know, and, and the Israelites, maybe like some of us, are looking for the answer from God and, and they, they were looking for an answer that said God was just gonna pull them out, that everything was gonna be okay, everything was gonna be good, that in an instant he could change everything. And, and praise God, we serve a God that can do that. But could it be possible that if you don't like where you're at, if you're not in the best season, if you're in the midst of exile that God has intended for you to be there, to live in it, and to thrive in it? And maybe he actually wants to use you in the midst of that situation to be a light to the darkness? You see, that's the plan that God had for the Israelites at this time. That's the the great message that Jeremiah got to communicate to his people, that had just lost their homes, that had just lost everything. And we pick that up in Jeremiah 29, four through seven. And this this is what he says. This is what God says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters. Give your, give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too Prosper. God's message to the people in the midst of their exile, in the midst of their turmoil, was settle down, be present, build houses, build houses and grow. Prosper in the city. You see, when things don't go our way, we have a hard time. We do. And I can't imagine that Israel was was thrilled with this. It's not the way they had planned it to be. They didn't want to be in Babylon, they didn't want to be in that place. And we can relate because every day we wake up and we have a plan. We have a plan how the day is going to go, how it's going to unfold, how things are going to shape out. And maybe for some of us, that's an incredibly detailed plan. Like we've got it planned down to the minute. Others of us are like, well, whatever. But we still have a whatever plan. Our plan is whatever. Uh, Growing up, I thought I was a whatever kind of guy. I flew by the seat of my pants. I was the least planned person in my family growing up. Uh, My mother is incredibly detail-oriented, an amazing planner. That's just how we're going to phrase that. Uh, She's got a plan for everything. And so we had a plan going into everything. And so for me, I was like, well, I'm not anything like that. Well, then I got married and I realized, in fact, I am a planner. Uh, My wife just is not. And I thought I was the is not. My wife is more of an is not. Right? And so I realized quickly that there is a plan to my day, and I have plans and I have things that I want to do. In fact, there's this one time where I had a plan and it did not go well. Uh, Well, because it didn't go according to my plan. Uh, So when my wife and I were were dating, we had uh, gotten to the point in our marriage where we were, our marriage, we got there. Woo! (laughs) <laughs> we had gotten to the point in our relationship where we decided that we were going to take those next steps. We were gonna get engaged. And I had a plan that it was gonna be a big secret that no one was gonna know, even Elizabeth. She wasn't gonna know when and where it was gonna happen. And I was holding to that plan pretty firmly. Uh, in fact, holding to that plan firmly even made her cry a couple times. But I was like, no, it's gonna be a secret. She's not gonna know. You know, because we would talk about, like, I just really wanna be married. And I was wanted to surprise her. So I was like, yeah you know, I'm saving up for the ring, maybe in the summer. And all the meanwhile, I have the ring in the room next to me, you know, and she's just like, but I want to be married. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like we're not there. We're not there yet. I figure, you know, like I bought this ring. I have to have a little enjoyment in the process. Uh, Is that mean? Uh, Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. It was mean. I don't know. All the guys are like, no. (laughs) So I had a plan, but before I was going to ask her to marry me, I had to do this thing. I had to ask uh, her father for permission to, to marry his daughter. And you guys are like, oh yeah, that's great. That's easy, that's simple. Well, yeah, but not as simple in my situation. Uh, I work with her parents at the time, and Elizabeth also worked at the church at that time, so we were always together, the four of us. And when we weren't at work, well, then Elizabeth was hanging out with me And when she wasn't hanging out with me, well, she lived with her parents. So Elizabeth was always with her parents or with me or I was with the four of them, the three of them, the four of us. You know, like it just, there was no moment to get this question asked, because I really did not want it to be a secret, and Elizabeth's twin sister had recently gotten engaged before that, and uh, Matthew, her now husband, had called and tried to set up a breakfast and totally got busted in the midst of that, you know? Like, and I was like, I got a plan, it's gonna be a secret, I can't do that, I can't get busted in the midst of this. So one Saturday, she says, I'm gonna go hang out with my sister all day. I'm like, great, do it, please, you know? Like, this is my moment! You know, so I was like, okay, what time are you leaving? Like, when you, text me when you go to hang out with your sister so I can tell you I love you before you go. You know, I'm slick, yeah. So she says, all right, I'm gonna go. And I'm like, perfect. I kid you not. She's gonna be gone all day. That's the plan. I didn't even have a moment to contact Keith because like 15 minutes into hanging out with her sister, she's like, I'm gonna be done in an hour and a half. Let's hang out. Like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, I, what am I going to do now? Like, how do I go and make this happen and, and get this plan? We live like a half hour away. I can't even get there in this time. And I was like, shoot. Well, an hour and a half came and went. Two hours came and went. Three hours came and went. Four, five, six hours later, she texts me and she said, all right, I'm ready to hang out. I was like, are you kidding me? That was my plan, my window. You ruined it. And then you ruined the plan. to be. Yeah, it was a mess there was no window. It was done. I couldn't, I didn't get it done that day because I thought she's coming over an hour and a half. Six hours later, we hung out. My plans were ruined so many, so many different times. Luckily, I found a way. We got it done. Yeah, it's good. But we, we, we don't like when things don't go how we planned. We want them to go a certain way, and sometimes they don't. You might say, you know, Ben, those, those are just silly stories, and it is. It's just a silly story. You know, I I never thought that I would hate my job this much. I never thought things would look the way they do in my life. I didn't think whatever your thing is, fill in the blank. And when things don't go our way, it can truly feel like there's no going forward, that we are just stuck in exile. But this isn't how it works in the kingdom of God. You see, it might not go the way you and I want it to go, but things are never a surprise for God. Jeremiah talking to those same people we see in Jeremiah 29, 11. So just a few verses later, he says this, for I I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Despite Israel's outlook being that God had a lack of concern for their plight and their situation, he in fact hadn't forgotten them at all. His promise was not one of a quick fix of a instant situation, but it was a promise of a hopeful end. I have plans to prosper you, plans for your future, to give you hope and a future. You see, God sees you and he can take our greatest setback and he can turn it into our biggest setup. You see, he looks at you and he looks that in the midst of your exile, in the midst of your situation, that he can use you to be a light. You see, we look at a God that looks, when it looks like there's no way, he finds a way. God's saying, settle down. You see, build your houses Be present where you are. You see, some of us, we're asking God to bless the exact same thing we're cursing with our mouth the next moment. And God is just saying, just settle down. Just be in this situation. Be in this moment. I'll be with you through it. So how do we do that? How do we build our houses and settle down? How do we plant our gardens? How How do we thrive in the midst of exile? Well, I think there's a couple things we need to do. The first one is this. We need to be present with people. You see, society is trying to convince us today that, man, if you don't feel it, move on. If you don't like it, you should go somewhere else. Try something different. You owe it to yourself. And let me tell you this. This is not an anti-change message, right? This is not a, hey, you need, started working at that job. You're there for life. <laughs> you signed a contract. Lifetime. No, this is a a change and and go where God leads and directs and move in his life. But in the midst of all of that, let us be present in the situations we find ourselves in. Let us find purpose in the midst of those. So that's what Sidi tells them, move on, try something different. And God is telling the Israelites something different. He's telling them to fully exist in the setting they find themselves in. You know, our reality is, is we don't get to live around Christians constantly. I mean, it would be nice if we just got to hang out with our church friends all the time. They were the people we worked with. Maybe that would be nice. I don't know. Right? But (laughs) they would be the people we worked with, the people we associated with. It would just be that. But that's not our reality. And that's not God's plan. Because the people we come in contact with, the people we rub shoulders with, the people that come through the course of our lives, the people that we sit in the meeting with on Zoom in their little box... We're like, oh, I gotta look at his face for an hour and a half, ugh. Those people, those people have a story and they have a name and they have a need deeply for Jesus. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, one through four, it says this, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and knowledge and I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but I do not have love, I give nothing. You know, we're all familiar with that verse. It's, It's this beautiful set of passages. We hear it at weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not boast. It does not envy. And it just makes, well, all the ladies and some of the men, all of the men, tear up. You know, we get a little misty. Oh yeah, like it's just, it's great. It's beautiful. It's this verse of how God can use love. But guys, the reality is, is that verse isn't reserved for marriage and weddings. That verse is a challenge to us to go into life and to experience and encounter the people that are around us, to treat them with love. You know, it could say if you go to church on Sunday and you have a great day, you, you sing the songs and you lift your hands in worship and, and you, you just you're great in the lobby and you greet everyone, but you go into work tomorrow and you don't even smile. You're mean to everyone. You don't have love. You're a resounding gong. You're nothing, right? The first thing we need to do if we are going to find some, some, some perspective, some, some peace in the midst of exile is we have to know that the people we come in contact with matter. That we're put in these places for a purpose and a reason and that reason is the people, that people matter. The sec- second thing we need to do is we need to shift our perspective. You know, when we shift our perspective, we can find a a prosperous purpose. All throughout scripture, we see people in the midst of difficult situations, in the midst of moments that they're like, I don't know what to do. And then we see God use them. In fact, I think it's the prerequisite to get yourself into the Bible. It's life just needs to go really bad, right? And then it'll go good because of God. And then you get to get yourself in the Bible, right? we just see it time after time again. And we see it again in this situation. The people of Israel have lost everything. And Jeremiah is writing to them in an incredibly difficult situation. But we know this, that Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And when we go through our day, when we go through our seasons, when we go through those moments of exile and they aren't working out, we don't need to carry that weight. God can and will make it work out. He works things together for, according to his purpose. Uh, all things, God works together for those who love him. So it's on God. We can shift our perspective. We can look at it differently. Can I tell you what truly helps shift your perspective? is prayer. Uh, my wife and I, we've been going through a season of exile. What feels like exile to us? We haven't been kicked out of our homes. Praise Jesus. Uh, we have been trying for the last three years to get pregnant. Uh, not me. it's like, not how that works. Uh <laughs> Just in case any of you were confused. Uh, and and it, it hasn't happened. Uh, and can I just tell you that there have been moments that that has felt like the worst. We clearly love young people. Uh, we've made it our life call to invest into the next generation. And we want more than anything else to, to raise our own, to, to be parents. Um, and so for three years, that has not been our reality. Um, and, and it's been tough. And we've prayed lots of prayers. We've prayed Uh, big weepy prayers. We've gotten on our knees. We've had people pray for us. We've done all of these things. Um, But can I tell you what has recently, and I say recently because it's reality recently helped us shift our perspective. It is a, a daily constant prayer. So we have alarms on our phone that are set for 520 every day. And 520 is not a special time. It just happens to be a moment where we're typically together and we pray. And they're not big, lengthy prayers. They're not these these dramatic, like they're honestly less than a minute most times. And we just pray to God. We we thank him for the blessings we have in our lives and we pray for the future of our family, whatever that looks like. Guys, it has changed our perspective in, in a way I can't even express to you this morning. It's been a game changer. And when we are in the midst of whatever season we find ourselves in, if we would just turn those things over to God, and just commit to turning them over to God constantly daily in the midst of whatever we're struggling with and just say God take it. You know my struggle. You know what we're going through. If you would just take it and just run with it, guys, it shifts our perspective in a way I can't I can't I can't tell you. Because prayer changes things. And I don't know what the outcome of our story is going to be. I don't know what the end of our story is going to be, but can I tell you what prayer has changed? It's changed us. And it's changed our perspective. And we just look at it differently. Like it just, it just feels like the weight has been lifted because we've turned it over to God. And as I was, we were getting ready and I was asking Elizabeth, like, hey, you know, we had talked about it when I was prepping, I found out a week ago I was gonna preach and I kind of had an idea where I wanted to go. I was like, hey, can I share this story? Can I share our struggle? And she was like, yep, let's do it. And then I just checked in again last night, you know, just to, cause I'm a good husband. <laughs> uh, just to see like, hey, are you, yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah. <laughs> I don't wear that crown lightly. It's heavy. Uh, just to check in and to, to just make sure, like, hey, are, are, you, are we good? And, and man, she looked at me and she said, "Yep," yeah. with like full confidence. And she said, I don't want to just talk about God's faithfulness in the end. I want to talk about God's faithfulness through the journey. I was like, all right, well, you're preaching. I'm done." Like, you know, like, I don't need anything to say. Like, guys, God is faithful through the process. We just have to be willing to look at it and change our perspective and look at them as we go through. It's easy to complain, but have we prayed about it? Have we truly turned it over to God? We need to remember the people. We need to shift our perspective. The last thing we need to do is we need to remember that Christians carry their own culture, that no matter where you and I are, who we're surrounded with, that we carry a culture that is stronger First John 4.4 4 says this, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Man, I love the song, The Blessing. And I think Becky nailed it when she said, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you. Guys, the one who is in us is greater than any situation we're going to experience. And so when we're in the midst of those exile seasons, when we just don't know what is next, and God's culture overcomes it all, He is with us. He is for us. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What does that mean? That means we can stop walking into places feeling defeated. That we can stop walking through these seasons of exiles feeling like we've lost. When the reality is, is he's already won. We've already overcome. That there is a a, a great and, and hopeful reward. And it doesn't mean a quick fix, but it does mean a hopeful end. And that we can walk through this This season, we can walk through these days, these weeks, these months, these years, this exile, and we can know that God is with us through it, that his kingdom culture is stronger than any of it, that he overcomes. You see, we fulfill our purpose when we're willing to use by God in the darkest of places. You see, Jeremiah knew when he was communicating to the nation of Israel that it would be easier if they were just lifted out in an instant, but John 1.5 says this, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, the story as they go on as they're in the Babylon empire for like 70 years is that the, the nation of Babylon at points gets changed by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by the story of Daniel, like these stories that come later in the book of Jeremiah and Daniel because the Israelite people decided to build houses to settle down and to, to be prosperous and to build their their the kingdom of God in the midst of it. because when we decide to, to live our lives, to find perspective, to, to find purpose in the midst of our season of exile, God changes things. He changes those around us. He calls us to do just that, to be a light in the darkness. And, and you know, we need to, to look at that darkness in the world isn't just a bad thing. A lot of you guys were like, well, I was with him until he had that little blasphemous statement at the end. <laughs> that, was, that was weird. No, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing because the darker the room, the brighter the light shines. And so if we are the plan, if we are God's plan for, for the people of the world to know him, then the darkness shouldn't scare us. It should say that's an opportunity for me to shine brighter, for my God to shine brighter through me. As I go into situations, as I go into the workplace, as I go into my family that doesn't know him, as I go into my neighborhoods around me, as I go through the grocery store, as I go wherever I am, I can be a brighter light in the midst of the darkness. And we know how people talk about faith. We see the lives of the people around us and we just know that they need Jesus. They just need him in their lives. And we can be a light to help point them towards Jesus. You see, God isn't looking for people to encounter his presence and retreat. He's looking for people to build houses and to settle down in the midst of the light of darkness. A band, if you wanna come get yourself ready. Usher's, if you wanna to start to get set for communion here. See, in a, in a moment, we're gonna get, get ready and we're gonna take communion. Uh, but, but Paul says in Corinthians that we ought to examine ourselves before we eat and drink of the blood, the, the bread, the drink the bread and drink from the cup. Uh, and, and as we just look, as we, we go forward, as we evaluate where we're at, it's a great time to ask, like our... Are we in the midst of exile? Do we need to turn some things over to God that have have held us back? Have we felt stuck in the midst of it? Are we being a light to the world? And maybe you find yourself and you're like, well, I don't know any of that because I've never had an encounter with Jesus. You have a moment here too to just to say, God, I'm seeking after you and I'm looking for you in the midst of that. So with that in mind, will you guys bow your heads as we we pray? Heavenly Father, before we partake in the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience with the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we have done or by what we have left undone, if we've not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, For the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us. Forgive us all of all of our sins, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Now, as our heads are still bowed, if you're new to faith or if you've just never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life, I wanna encourage you right now to quietly, in your own words, just ask Jesus to forgive you and to come into your life. Amen.